Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Podcast Episode 3 Genetic Modification of Florida Mosquitoes. I'm Raven Forrest Frescalzo, your host. The big news of the election on November 8th kind of overshadowed some of the other items on the ballot. As some of you may have heard in the news, there's some controversy over the possible release of genetically modified mosquitoes in the Florida Keys. The Mosquito Control District decided to put it to a vote on both Key Haven, the island where the release was due to happen, and the entire county in which Key Haven is just one of multiple islands. The result of the vote was a no from Key Haven, but a yes from the county. This means that the federal government must go through the process of approving or denying one of the other islands in the county as a release site. The company that created these mosquitoes is called Oxitec. This story led to Matt Rittenhouse's question that was sent in via the Tiny Vampire's Facebook page. His question was, What did the biotech company Oxitec modify in these mosquitoes? If they are modifying a gene that is lethal to the mosquito offspring, and a gene that makes them fluorescent, could the wild female mosquitoes adapt to identify the GM mosquitoes and avoid mating with them? As you can tell from the question, Matt has more than the average amount of information about these mosquitoes, so don't worry if you don't fully understand uh, what he's asking here. I'm going to unpack it for us. First, let's start off with some background information. Like we talked about in episode one, Aedes aegypti are an invasive species in the Americas that transmits Zika, chikungunya, dengue, and the yellow fever viruses. With a resume like this, you can see why they are a target of some serious mosquito control initiatives. Oxitec is looking to implement a form of tried-and-true insect control strategy called the sterile male technique. One of the best-known stories of this technique is the eradication of the screwworm from North America and an invasive population in North Africa. The screwworm is the larval or baby form of a fly that kind of looks like a housefly. After the young are laid on a mammal by the adult female, they burrow into the skin. This infection was painful and disgusting, not only to humans, but also for livestock, causing big problems for the leather industry. I don't recommend doing a Google image search for these little guys unless you have a strong stomach. 
To get rid of these nasty pests, millions were raised in the lab. The females stayed in the lab for breeding, and the males were exposed to a small amount of radiation. Just like in humans, a dose of radiation can render them sterile. The irradiated males were released to compete with the wild males. There were so many sterile males and so few fertile ones that the population drastically declined over the years. The Oxitec mosquitoes, with the catchy name of OX513A, used a different method of sterilization, but the concept of mating wild females with sterile males is still the same. When geneticists are looking to make modifications, they don't just look for a means of rendering the insects sterile. They investigate how to have a small genetic change make a big impact on the population. One of the factors that was investigated was when the lethal gene should be activated. This work is described in the paper Late-Acting Dominant Lethal Genetic Systems and Mosquito Control by Fouke et al., published in 2007. First, let's talk about the fluorescence that Matt asked about. The biologist that developed the OX513A mosquito took normal Aedes aegypti mosquitoes and inserted two genes into their DNA. The first is a protein that glows red when exposed to UV light. The second, which is attached to the red protein, is a gene that kills the mosquito. The red fluorescent protein is called a reporter protein because the two genes are attached to each other. If you see one, you know the other's there like the smell from a gas stove. The killing gene is just like the gas. We normally can't smell it, taste it, feel it, hear it, or see it, but it's doing all of the work of burning and heating up our food. When we mix the odor in with the gas, we have a way to smell when the stove is on. The smell isn't doing any of the work, but it is letting us know that the gas is there. The red protein doesn't affect the mosquito, it just lets the researchers know that the killing gene was inserted into the mosquito's DNA successfully. Part of Matt's question was, if they are modifying a gene that is lethal to the mosquito offspring and a gene that makes them fluorescent, could the wild females adapt to identify the GM mosquitoes and avoid mating with them? This is a logical question. If the females that prefer wild or normal colored males to the red males her offspring are going to survive and possibly pass on a preference for normal males. But the red fluorescence is only visible in the dark under bright UV lights. The GM mosquitoes in the wild conditions aren't likely to look any different to the wild females. When it comes to making the males sterile, the reason we can't use the irradiating technique that we used on the screwworm flies is because the mosquitoes seem to be more sensitive to this irradiation technique resulting in sickly males that the females are less likely to mate with when they have a wild, healthy male as an option. This is one reason why people interested in controlling mosquito populations turn to genetic modification. The geneticists learned from vector ecologists that young mosquitoes have what's called a density-dependent population, which means that when they are young, whether they live to adulthood or not, is mostly dependent on how many other mosquitoes they have to compete with for space and food. Fuke and the other people doing this work hypothesized that if the male mosquito is modified to result in eggs that never hatch, then the females he mates with will not produce young. The eggs laid by females that mate with wild males could then thrive 
because they no longer have to compete for space and food. Mosquitoes are just like butterflies in that they have a series of worm-like juvenile stages, then a pupation or a cocoon stage, then they emerge as flying adults. This paper asked, what is better for the reduction of mosquitoes? Young that never hatch from their eggs or a late lethal gene that kills the mosquito in its pupation stage. So either way, if the mosquito dies before becoming adults, how do we get adult males to breed with the, these wild females? In the lab, the young are fed the antidote to this killing gene, which is an antibiotic called tetracycline. The mosquitoes don't have access to this antidote in the wild, so they die. To find out which method would result in the fewest mosquitoes in the wild, Fook and their colleagues built a computer program that we call a model. These types of models are built out of what we've learned about mosquitoes over the years. Things like how long a female lives, how many eggs does she typically lay, how many of these eggs hatch, how much food does a mosquito larva need, and how much food is available in a, in a typical larval habitat. The idea is that by having a killing gene activate when the mosquito is just about to become an adult, the GM mosquitoes not only die themselves, but they were also competition for the wild mosquito larvae. These now dead GM larvae ate up food and took up space that otherwise would have been available for wild mosquitoes, reducing their numbers along the way. The model was run by keeping all of the numbers the same, except for how many larval mosquitoes are in the habitat, because on one scenario, the eggs never hatch, and in the other, the young die just before adulthood. They determined that having a late-acting kill gene results in 27% fewer mosquitoes at worst and 540% fewer mosquitoes at best when compared to mosquito offspring that never hatch. Fook et al. tested the model by creating genetically modified mosquitoes of their own to determine how effective these late-acting genes can be at killing the mosquito before adulthood. They found that when they fed the young the antidote tetracycline, they survived just as well as regular Aedes mosquitoes. But when they did not feed them the antidote, the young emerged as adults 3-4% to of the time. Genetically normal mosquitoes successfully emerge from their pupil stage 86-88% to of the time. It's a pretty drastic reduction. One of the major concerns the public has expressed about genetically modified mosquitoes is the fear of being bitten by one. Male mosquitoes do not bite humans. They only ever feed on plants. But there are two possible sources of genetically modified females out in the wild. First, there is a possibility that the company or mosquito control district doesn't successfully separate the males from the females, and a female that should have stayed in the lab is released along with the males. Research has shown this to have a 2% probability of happening. There's also the chance that the killing gene doesn't work to kill the pupating mosquitoes. In Fook et al.'s work, they found this happening 3-4% to of the time. The Food and Drug Administration conducted an investigation of the Oxitec mosquitoes, including taking comments from the public. On August 5th of last year, they approved the mosquitoes as safe to use and release, but this is only from an environmental standpoint. The approval does not get into the human health aspect. The inserted genes are not related to saliva production, so a bite from a GM female 
would cause probably about the same reaction as a bite from a wild female. Still, people have concerns about this new technology. It's up to the government and scientists to listen to the public concerns, ensuring informed consent. This is why the ballot measure in the Florida Keys was so important. Fug et al.'s work was funded by the Wellcome Trust with some support from the UK Medical Research Council in Biotechnology and the Biological Science Research Council. The Wellcome Trust also funds some of Oxitec's research. For this program to work, massive quantities of males must be released. The number of modified males must be high enough to outcompete the wild males. Also, the modified males must be just as or more attractive to the females. This directly leads into the second half of Matt's question and the question of the day for next month. Matt asked, how do mosquitoes even choose their mates? This is the perfect question for Tiny Vampire's Valentine's episode. So if you ever wondered how such tiny creatures can find love in a big world, be sure to subscribe or check iTunes or Stitcher on the last Tuesday of February. I hope that you found and continue to find this podcast informative. Please visit my blog, tinyvampires.com, to see three cool videos that I found about how fluorescent proteins work. There's another one on how Oxitec rears these massive colonies of mosquitoes and how they separate the males from the females, and a summary video about the OX513A mosquito put out by the Howard Hughes Institute. Also on the blog are citations for all the papers that I used to put together this episode, a link to the FDA's approval of OX513As, show notes, music credits, and more. Please rate and review my podcast on whatever platform you listen on. If you have any arthropod or disease questions, you would like to be the question of the day, or if you have any corrections, please send them to H-F-O-R-R-E-S and the number one at nd.edu. That's nd like Notre Dame. Or you can post it on the Tiny Vampires blog or Facebook page. Thank you for listening from me, Raven Forrest Riscalzo, PhD student at the University of Notre Dame, member of the Social Responsibilities of Research Program, and funded by the National Science Foundation. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.